All right, welcome back to the show. I am your host, Todd Schnick. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I've had the pleasure over the last couple of years of having multiple conversations with each of the gentlemen joining me today. So always good to reconnect with them, always good to talk. I always learn something from them, always get inspired. So excited to welcome back Joshua Fields, Milburn, and Colin Wright to the show. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you, Todd. And it's good to have you. Thanks again for making time. Good to connect again. We don't talk often enough. Uh, although, Colin, we talked about a month ago on your latest book. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you, and, you and I have had a recent conversation. So, guys, before we get into a conversation around uh, writing and all that that implies, let's take a few seconds each and have you run through uh, your background a bit. Colin, talk about some of your world travels. Joshua, if you could fill us in a bit on the minimalists and all that. We'll start with you, Colin. Yeah, totally. So uh, for the past four years or so, I've been traveling around the world, uh, moving to a new country every four months or so. And I do that based on the votes of the readers of my blog. And then the blog kind of acts as a platform where I can write about everything from travel to philosophy to uh, ways that I I run my businesses and other aspects of entrepreneurship. Uh, And then I write books as well and other publishing er, uh, publishing projects. Uh, which uh, allow me to cover different topics, everything from fiction to philosophy to uh, how-to type books, uh, and then have like a newsletter thing called Exiles, where I'm able to do dispatches from the road. Lots of writing that comes from Colin Wright, that's for sure. Joshua, give us a little bit about you and your background. Yeah, I, I pretty much came from the corporate world, spent all of my 20s climbing the corporate ladder and eventually... Um, when I got high enough, I realized it wasn't, uh, it wasn't in line with my values or my beliefs or really my interests. And my interest was, was writing fiction. So I had written fiction for a really long time. And uh, I decided I wanted to go that route. I wanted to, to be a full-time writer. And, and then something really beautiful, like a beautiful accident happened. Uh, we started a website called theminimalists.com. And uh, that really took off and it, it gave me an avenue through which to... Uh, to publish not just the fiction that I've been writing for a long time, but really uh, open it up to this whole nonfiction genre, which initially I was somewhat ignorant to, but have learned a ton over the last, uh, it's only been about two and a half years since, since we started that, but a whole lot has changed. Uh, I've had the opportunity to, to publish seven books and uh, obviously started this this publishing company with, uh, with Ryan, who is the other guy who runs The Minimalists with me, and of course with Colin as well. Yeah, well, Joshua, you and I connected not too long after you and Ryan launched The Minimalists, and so it has been a real pleasure for me to kind of watch as you guys and your lives uh, have evolved and and carried forward, and and, uh, as a uh, a real pleasure for me to see you guys partner up and start a company called Asymmetrical Press, which is what we're really here to talk about today. And, and uh, so, so give us the rundown on the shop and what you do and how you're serving a market. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so all three of us make our full-time living off of our published work. And, and as such, we've had lots of opportunities within uh, both non-traditional and traditional publishing spheres. Uh, but what we were seeing was that uh, 
the industry wasn't taking advantage of a lot of the new techniques available, the new technologies available, the, the opportunities available in the publishing scene. So we decided to start the publishing company that we wanted to see. And what, what that really added up to is something that's very author-centric. It allows us to experiment a lot, to put the power in the hands of the author while helping them build their audience and their brand and their platforms over time so that they can continue to put out really, really good work. And uh, it, it makes it really more of a, a partnership rather than us buying out their work, as tends to be the, the traditional way of doing things. What's been nice is that asymmetrical is kind of, uh, I look at it like a three-leg table, you know, because... Uh, all three legs are just as important because you take one away, the thing is going to collapse. We, when we started this thing, uh, it, it was we, we very much didn't want to start a regular publishing house. We weren't interested in, in that. We, we ultimately wanted to find a way to say yes to essentially anyone who is an author who, who is serious about publishing their work. And uh, So instead of the traditional way of hey, submit your work to us and we will either send you a rejection letter or if you're one of the select few who win the lottery, then we'll say yes mm -hmm. to you. Um, we, we didn't want to do that because the three of us have, been, have very much been do-it-yourself kind of guys and we've, we've had a lot of success, uh, fortunately, to, you know, whether it's books that sell really well, we have a lot of traffic that comes to our websites. But we've done that on our own without being beholden to the traditional guard. So, so the three-legged table concept is what was really appealing to me. The first leg was uh, we set up this community online. And really what that was was a resource for – we have about 1,500 folks there now who, who go to, the, to our community, different forums, different avenues for them to – share and exchange value with each other. We have writers, designers, artists, you know, people, editors, people that can add value and also get value from, from the community where it's, it's basically a touch point for people to show up and, and, uh, and, and learn more and, and help polish their work, make it better. That was the, the first leg. The second leg is the studio, which so there are some things that you may not want to do on your own, even if you're a do-it-yourself person, like me, for example, I don't design my own book covers. Colin designs his own, but we have a studio that that uh, we have select services available for folks who are interested, and we we honestly believe you can do everything on your own. But if there there are things that you want to sort of farm out, the studio allows you to do that. We also have a phenomenal how-to guide, how how to publish your book there, uh, how to publish an indie book for for free. And the third thing that Colin mentioned, it, which people think of as a traditional publishing house, is really our experimentation uh, facility. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't say experimenting, like we don't have little bunny rabbits in cages, but we kind of do in a way. You know, we, <laughs> we, we are publishing our own work and experimenting with it. Um, we've been fortunate enough to hire about 30 interns, so we've got 30 folks on staff here who uh, do everything from social media to PR and uh, everything in between, web development. And, and we experiment with our own work, and then we take a few authors from our community as well. You know, so like I said, we don't have a submission process. We find other people we like working with in our community, and we test their work as well. But as Colin said, it's much more of a partnership. We don't own anyone else's work. I, I have no desire to own someone else's work. But, but ultimately, that, that's what we're doing. We're experimenting through that and then taking the lessons that we learn 
and, and giving those lessons back to the community. What I love about this three-legged stool idea is I'd like to sit there and pull what I think is the most important element and discuss it on the show, but I really can't do that because they're all vital, <laughs> as, as you said. Uh, and so uh, take the order of my questioning uh, uh, just as a random poll. The, uh, do quickly run through some of the services the studio offers just so people are aware of that. We've got, oh God, it really does run the gamut in it. The services are provided by people who do work with us. So some of the people that we have edit our work, uh, copy editing and proofreading, uh, cover design. We have uh, PR, like a blog outreach type PR where people, they, they find relevant blogs to your genre and then they send out. Uh, proof copies uh, so that you can get some promotion potentially. We have, uh, gosh, what else do we have? Layout. Yeah, book cover and layout. And uh, I feel like I'm missing a couple. Yeah, the layout pieces of the formatting. So depending on what format you want, maybe you have a book you just want to put on Kindle. We, mm -hmm. we have people who can help you with that. We have folks who can help you lay out a print book um, or, or a full color, you know, online magazine, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever you want. To do. Oh, we've got a really cool thing too. That's not up there just yet, but will be quite soon where, uh, the, this developer and designer, Paul Jarvis, who's just amazing, is designing an indie author themed WordPress blog. Mm, that's, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, basically built with the uh, needs of an indie author in mind. It's got lots of styles. So you don't just create posts. You can also create publications. And then you have like your bookshelf of stuff that you've done. Uh, or you can do it for podcasts or whatever as well. Really slick. And he's just working up all the uh, the video work and stuff, the how-tos that go with it. The idea is to put that out there super cheap and uh, then put it out there as well. A another slightly more expensive, but not really because it also pays for hosting plan where you get uh, you get it self-hosted and then they set it up for you. They set up WordPress, they set up the blog. So for people who have zero development knowledge and zero desire to deal with any of that, uh, we've got options for people like that too. Well, a quick note to the audience, uh, Joshua and, and Colin have just launched a, what I think is going to be ultimately a six-part series on how to publish an indie book. Quite frankly, they stole the damn outline for what this conversation was originally going to be. It was how to <laughs> how to publish a book, but it's it's been really interesting. There's a supplemental podcast that goes with it. We'll be sure to link up to that in the show notes. Uh, you know, I have to be honest with you, I, I'm I'm embarrassed to admit that I just I don't have enough hours in the day to participate in that community that you mentioned but I have to say that's probably the coolest thing about asymmetrical press is that community that you guys are building 1500 mm -hmm. people I mean talk about why that's so important to someone who who wants to be or is a writer and just needs that support structure behind them you know for the longest time we saw this huge gap you had traditionally traditionally published authors and we don't think there was anything necessarily wrong with, with that route. But then you had this thing called self-publishing, and it had this stigma. You would hear of like Vanity Press, or as soon as you hear self-published, you kind of wince, and you think it's associated with bad quality. So there was this huge gap, and, and what we wanted to do was identify that, that what's the middle road? And ultimately, we think that's indie publishing. You know, if you look at music, or you look at movies, some of the best music is indie, you know, indie, indie bands, indie music, same thing with movies, indie movies, there's a whole iTunes section now for indie movies, and, and we associate that with quality and with our artistic value and, and um, handcraftedness, and that's what we, we saw with our work is that 
the quality was just as good. We, we identified a process, and that, that's what we actually outline in, in what the, the six-part series you're talking about. We had, I identified this process that allowed us to have just as good quality as the, the traditionally published authors, but not have to uh, think that's the only route anymore. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that route. We're, we're no longer forced to sort of worship at that altar, though. We, we now have options. So we really wanted to share that with the community, and we found the best way to do that was allow, not, not us to say, here's where you go, but allow a lot of people in the room and say, hey, why don't you all share your best practices and let's all sort of learn and grow together. Mm -hmm. And from there, it's developed into even more, above and beyond just sharing resources, having a community of people going through similar things and at maybe similar parts of the process or different parts of the process, but, but taking away the pedestal so it's not just us preaching at people so that other people can share their experiences and bring more knowledge to the table. And, and we end up learning just as much as anybody else because they've got different experiences than us. I don't think we have to get into a conversation about how publishing is changed and is changing. There's been plenty of dialogue around that. We don't need to get into it. Interesting question, and it's a it's a new idea or, or question in my mind that I've been noodling on, and I have not given it a lot of deep thought. It's something that I suspect I'll be exploring for a while. But but let's just say for a minute, I, I, look, I agree that the stigma on, of, of self-publishing is going away. I, th I think, uh, I, well, I do worry that guys like us in our little bubble, in our little worlds, do we feel that or does, does, the, does the market really believe that? Does the, does the generic uh, customer who maybe buys his or her books at Walmart or, or, or still goes to Barnes & Noble and, and buys, a, you know, their two print books a year, if that, do, uh, do, do you think the market as a whole is beginning to buy into that? I mean, we, we, I guess another way I want to ask the question is this. Look, five, ten years ago, we used to think Sundance Film Festival was the cool film festival. It, it, was, mm -hmm. so, it was so out there that it, it was cool, right? Now, mm -hmm. but, but you look at the Cannes film, film Festival, for instance. That's almost now, to me... <laughs> kind of industry and kind of the, the main dog. And I worry that, look, the, the big six publishing guys, yeah, that their time is passing. And, and the cool publishing houses now are, are places like Asymmetrical Press. Do you worry that in a few years that people are going to – the same thing might happen and what's cool and hip now maybe in a few years becomes the standard and, and kind of the, the man? Yeah, I think that happens in every industry, though, over time. What's cool and hip and edgy in the moment gets appropriated by either the old guard or something that's a little bit more foundational and has had more time to grow. And you see this happening with a lot of books that get big on Amazon, for example. They get big on the Kindle, uh, then they get bought out for ridiculous sums of money. And th those people have earned it, really. They've done a really good job. They've built their own audience and such. And then, then they're taking advantage of that fact that there are these resources available outside of the indie publishing scene. Um, does that concern me? No, not, not particularly. Uh, the, the way that we've set up Asymmetrical Press is ideally to be able to ride that wave and to continue to figure out what's edgy and what's new and what's interesting, discard some of the stuff that doesn't work for us and then appropriate the stuff that does. Uh, so, so I think at the end of the day what you need to look for with anything like that is uh, 
how much can you benefit from using the traditional resources available? Because any one of us, we've had opportunities with traditional publishing. Uh, the right opportunity hasn't come along yet, though. And if it does, we have no problem taking advantage of that because that would work for us. That would work for them. It would bring a whole new audience back to our ind independently published work. Um, but, but I don't think it's one or the other. The nice thing about operating today is that as things continue to evolve, you can deal with stuff on the edge and you can deal with stuff that's more established. And doing both might even be the most beneficial way of operating of all. All right. One last question on Asymmetrical Press before we just get into the general conversation of writing. Uh, as you mentioned, you you feature a lot of your own works, but you've also had some other authors uh, part of that. Talk about some of those featured works. You know, basically, like I said earlier about the community, we, we have been introduced to some very talented folks and we, we like to help folks whenever we can. Um, and in some cases, we've, we've signed a few authors uh, uh, Chase Knight is one of them. He, he has a couple of novels coming out. He has one coming out this year called Chicken, which is just a really phenomenal book. It takes place in Arkansas, and it's about uh, homosexuality and teenagers in the South, in the modern day world, um, which is uh, a very difficult topic to talk about. So, so it, it's something that, that's very relevant, but also incredibly well done, incredibly well written. Uh, we have Sean Mahalik, who, who wrote a, uh, a novella called The Flute Player, which we published earlier this year, and um, did a really amazing audiobook version. We just published that recently. And, uh, and he has a, a novel coming out later this year as well called Brand Changing Day, which takes place in a restaurant, and which I think most of us have worked either in a restaurant setting or something similar. And, and so I think a lot of people are going to be able to identify with it. But just some really talented folks. We have uh, another gal named... Uh, Robin Devine, and you may know her from, she's all, all over the place online because she she donates hats to people. She makes hats. She's trying to make 10,000 hats right now, so she's writing a, a sort of memoir type book about her experiences there, which on the surface doesn't sound like an interesting proposition, but her story is incredibly interesting, and telling the stories behind everything she does is... Uh, is interesting. We found we thought, hey, this would be a really good challenge for us to be able to take something that um, we have to find ways to make it as interesting as it actually is, so people can can take a look at it and, and be interested in, in reading more about it. Well, that's an interesting segue into where I wanted to, where I wanted to take the conversation, which is just let's just talk writing as a whole. A lot of people probably say, ah. My story isn't that interesting. I don't know anybody would want to read something about my life. Uh, the, the reason I open the show by asking each of you to share a little bit of your background is because you, you each have very interesting stories. Colin, with you traveling the world and all of those experiences and the learnings from, from those adventures to to Joshua and Ryan and leaving a, a lucrative corporate career to living in the in up in the big sky country and becoming full time writers, they're fascinating tales and and make for for good writing and, and a lot of people get to live vicariously through that. Um, so my question to you guys is this: Do you have to travel the world? Do you have to give up everything and start a completely new life to have anything interesting to write about, or or is it really come down to hey, if you have an imagination, you can tell a cool story? Well, I think a little bit of both, actually. I hate to say that, but I mean, here's the weird thing. I, I teach a writing class now, um, which is cool because I don't have a college degree, but, but I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I get to teach a writing class online, so I, I'm not, uh, I haven't been sub, uh, 
subjected to to the the regular classroom writing style, and so I'm able to sort of attenuate my message and get it out there and, and do something meaningful. But uh, one of the things that I teach in that class is uh, one of the first things uh, expectation I set is you are not interesting. And sometimes people kind of wince at that, like, well, what, what, what does he mean by that? I think the problem is uh, quite often something that we think is interesting, we try to convey that to the world and people kind of look at us like, huh, what? what? And so the, my point is writing fundamentally is about finding the 1% that is interesting uh, um, and getting rid of the uh, 99% that is banal or, or just uh, you know, absorptive detail and, and finding ways to to take that interesting one percent of your life because here's the thing we all have commonalities we all have things that interest us and I think it's important to find that and be able to translate it uh, I wrote fiction for a very long time mainly because my life was was fairly boring <laughs> and, and so so I guess to answer your question from from a second ago is uh, yeah, it doesn't hurt to get out there and make some really radical changes in your life if you want to write some interesting narrative nonfiction. I, I don't think it's a requirement, though. I wrote fiction for a long time. I still consider myself primarily a fiction writer. But but if you want if you want to write some some narrative nonfiction stuff, I think it's probably it's pretty important to actually you know walk the talk. Mm -hmm. Colin, do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I I largely agree. I think it. It helps. It does not hurt you in any way to get out and do something interesting and exciting. But interesting and exciting is also different depending on who you talk to. Mm -hmm. So I, I've read books that are just about the most mundane, ridiculously dull subjects, but written well. They are wildly entertaining and insightful and keep you turning the page. So it, it doesn't hurt to have interesting things to draw upon, but if you are able to work at your writing and really just uh, really engage with it and really communicate something through it, uh, it you could sit at your desk all day long for your entire life and you'll still have something to say. Well, I've interviewed a Pulitzer Prize winner on this show and and he's written some really fascinating spy and mystery novels, some of which have been made into movies starred by actors that, whose name you'd recognize. Huh. And, and, and everybody thinks, well, he was some agent uh, in the CIA back in the 60s and he... He's a he's a self-described. Yeah, I'm kind of a portly goofball that I go up after dinner and I write in my guest bedroom, uh, and mm -hmm. I just concoct some tales from from my from my my dreams and my and my imagination. So it's 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 interesting. Con it's a it's an interesting question because there are a lot of people who I think want to write and love the idea of telling stories, but they say my life is boring. I spend nine to five in a cube and I don't have anything really interesting to say. I, I guess it leads to another question, and I have probably talked to you, both of you about this concept on, on past shows, but I asked the question, should everybody write? Because I believe that everybody is a creative. Now, I'm not talking just about painting or sculpting or, or writing music or, or writing writing books. I'm talking about if you're in business and you problem solve for clients, that's creative work in my mind. Is Do you think that everybody should be writing? Is there value, in, even if no one sees it? I just, I just, I love the idea though of people doing that because it's been, it's changed my life the more I've gotten into writing. Mm -hmm. And and I just I'm just I ask guys who've built a life around writing and, and talking about some of those adventures if if it's something that everybody should do whether they want to be a, a published author or not. 
I, I think personally that everybody should give it a shot. Uh, it doesn't mean that they'll enjoy it or get anything out of it if they keep at it, but it's kind of like reading where uh, a lot of people will say, I read very slowly, so I don't read much. Well, it, it's kind of a cycle thing. You, you get faster at reading as you read more. And it's the same with writing. You tend to enjoy it more the more you do because you get more out of it. So if you sit and scribble for a bit and give it an honest shot and see what you can convey, see what it does for you, see what it does for the people around you, the, the people exposed to it, um, th then you might find it. Then you can actually have a, an educated opinion on whether or not you like it. Um, but, but I don't think it's, uh, it's necessary for everybody to do it consistently, everybody to do it professionally. There's many different means of communicating and writing is one of them, but some people communicate much better visually, some people communicate much better through the spoken word or through making movies or whatever, dancing. Um, I think they're all valid and I think what is important though is figuring out ways that uh, you enjoy communicating and that you're capable of communicating best. Because I do think that it, we'd all be a little bit better off if we were better communicators. Joshua, any, anything to add there? You know, for a long time, I was an aspiring writer, which just meant I didn't write very much. And, and so I, I was, I, you know, the old saying ends up being true, I aspired more than I perspired. And what I found over the years was that the real payoff actually came from doing a lot of tedious work. I call it the payoff of drudgery because what would happen is I think in our culture especially, uh, a culture of instant gratification, we, we uh, confuse excitement with passion. So we get really excited about an idea or I've got this great idea for a short story or a novel or a blog post or whatever and that idea eventually gets hard, right? Because you actually, when you if your affinity for perfectionism is, so, is really high, you get scared to even start putting the words on the paper. And, and I had to realize that I couldn't be, I couldn't worry about, about getting it perfect. I, I had to worry about doing the absolute best I could with the resources I had. So, so that sitting down and actually doing the work was, was very valuable for me to realize because it isn't always exciting, especially like Colin said, at first it's, it's very hard. And so when, whenever an exciting idea got hard for me, I just kind of gave it up because who wants to do anything hard when there's so many passive things for you to do, like check your email or Facebook or watch TV. And, and, but I realized I wasn't getting any, uh, I wasn't experiencing anything meaningful there. I wasn't creating anything meaningful because I agree with you, Todd. I, I think that we are creators. We've been conditioned to consume, and I think we need to create more and consume less. And and, and part of that, whatever means you want want to create, is up to you. For me, writing allows me to do a lot of things that you know that, that I couldn't do otherwise, and. And so I learned ultimately that I had to push through. The 80% of the time, it was miserable. But the 20% of the time was the real payoff. That's where everything came together and it really worked. And, and it made everything in that 80% worth it. And eventually, you get, as you get better, it, it, it gets better as well. But even now, I've been, I write for hours and hours a day and it's still 50-50. I have good days, I have bad days. But you, you, it's like you can't have the mountain without the valley, right? Yeah. Guys, when I think of you, I think uh, it, it's not just world traveler or minimalist or writer. I think of you guys as entrepreneurs. And and, I, and, and a question that I have is, to, well, you know, and I was approached by Wiley about a business book and we've been having these conversations. And the first question wasn't, hey, how do we flesh out this idea that we that we have? The first 
freaking question they asked me was, how big's your mailing list? <laughs> so my question is, does the modern writer, and I'm talking about someone who wants to get read, who wants to move books and ideas and, 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 have, and be exposed to a wider audience, does the modern writer have to be entrepreneurial? I, I think it certainly helps. And, and in fact, a, a big part of why we built Asymmetrical the way that we did was to inspire creative people to be uh, authorpreneurs, not, not just authors, but to actually have control of their work and the, the destiny of their work therein. Because regardless of whether or not you want to go with a big six publisher or a smaller press or, or to indie publish, um, you're going to want to have as much control over that as possible, whether it's for negotiation or whether it's for uh, determining how to distribute it or determining getting final cut to determine what words actually go in the book or what kind of cover you get or, or just how many books you sell at the end of the day. Uh, the more control you have over that, the better. And if you look at it as a business endeavor, as something that if you put it together correctly and if you manage the overhead and if you make sure that it is a smart, sustainable business model, then you're able to continue to create. And that's something that it, it seems very difficult to get across to a lot of artistic, creative people, but that's the best thing you can possibly do for your craft is to make sure that you support your craft, that, that your craft will continue to function, that, that you can continue to pay the rent and do what you want to do. Uh, so I would say that it, it's quite important. You can do it without that, but then it, it is kind of like signing up for the lottery where you're leaving it in somebody else's hands and waiting to be chosen. And today, that, that to me is doesn't make sense. Joshua, anything to add? Yeah, I um, I write to be read. And ultimately, when someone asks me, why do you write? That's my short answer, is I write to be read. And I, I think ultimately, anyone who writes, write, writes for one of two reasons, ideally both. I think you write to communicate something, and you write to express something. So, so good writing is both communicative and expressive. And ideally, I want to communicate with the, the, the largest sized audience uh, as possible, as long as they find value in my words. And, and so the largest sized audience that, that can find value in my words, and part of that is, is finding ways to, to get the, the words out to them. And part of that's blogging. I mean, that's been a huge uh, uh, means through which we've been able to distribute our work now is, is um, you know, having a website online. You know, the, I always say the best social media button for me is the uh, email a friend button because that, that holds a lot more clout than just a simple like or retweet. If your friend that you really care about emails something to you, and I think that's what we, we do. We, we tend to share value with each other. So finding ways to add value has been really important to me. And, and I think that may be why you see the entrepreneur side. It, but for me, it's really about um, how do I add value to as many people's lives as possible? All right, guys, uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Uh, so someone has decided to write a book. And for to simplify, because there's a lot of variations of that idea, let's just say someone said, hey, I want to write a book, I want to upload it, and I want to self-publish it on Amazon, say. what? And I, and I welcome and invite each of you to answer uh, this question. Uh, but what are the, th if someone sat down and said, I want to do this, give me three pieces of advice. What would you, what would you give them? Start getting feedback immediately, I would say, as, as quickly in the process as possible. Not, not necessarily on that book in particular, but on writing in general. Uh, I've seen so many authors who 
write and write and write and then sit on their work and they put it in a drawer <laughs> and, uh, and Josh can comment on that. But, but it's difficult to grow uh, when you don't get any external feedback on your work. And one of the most valuable things that I've done for my writing, you can go back on my blog like four years ago and see my writing and how it's developed. And it, it's developed the way that it has because I've had people reading it. They, they've read it and they've critiqued it. They let me know about typos. They let me know what type of voice works best for what type of content. And the same applies for all writing that you do. So in terms of developing your style, write a whole lot and then allow other people to see it. And, and then do the same thing with your book as you're developing it. Get it to a point where you're happy with it or as happy as you can be at that part of the process and then start sharing it. Yeah, I would say start sooner than later. You know, start now and, and, and don't keep waiting. Uh, a few things I, I tell I tell my students. Uh, actually, the, the very first class I give them an assignment, and half the class gets freaked out by it. It's and this is just for my own recipe. I spent all of my twenties writing as much as I could, but I I didn't share it with anyone. I didn't even share it with the people I was closest with. And so, in addition to just sharing your work, like Colin mentioned, just share the fact that you're passionate about something or you're trying something out. You know, I'm really trying to write. And, and it's going to make you. It's going to give you that leverage you need to keep doing it. It's a, an accountability factor. But I would start that now because for me, for the longest time, I didn't tell anyone about it, and it didn't keep me motivated. And then number three, probably, if I had to give one more piece of advice, um, start building an audience. And and I don't say that in like a markety way. Like start building your newsletter now, build your list, otherwise no one will publish you. But you want to know who's reading your work, you want to know who's getting value out of it, who potentially could get value out of it in the future. Uh, and, and honestly, by keeping that list and letting them know when you publish something new, uh, it's value for them as well. So it's a two-way street. What you're doing is forming relationships over time. And uh, by, by giving people an easy way to keep up with your work and by allowing them to see your evolution and even contribute to it, um, you're creating a symbiotic relationship that uh, it both provides value to them and empowers you to continue doing what you're doing potentially down the line. Outstanding. Good stuff. All right. As we wrap up here, uh, Joshua, what's, uh, what's coming soon from you? Oh, um, Ryan and I have a, a very interesting memoir-ish kind of book coming out next year. It's, it's called Everything That Remains, and it's written by me in first, per first person. Uh, it's, it is all about my life in the last five years, uh, trans transferring my life from the corporate world over to, to today's world. And uh, Ryan constantly is, is interjecting and interrupting throughout the book in the form of footnotes. So it's, uh, it's an interesting way to approach it, and I think it adds some humor to it as well. All right. Colin, since you publish a book every 16 days, what, walk through <laughs> uh, the most recent book, Act Accordingly, and then what's coming next? I've actually got, uh, well, July 30th, so I'm not sure when this is going out, but July 30th, there's a book called Seven or Eight Ways to End the World, which is a collection of short science fiction coming out. And then uh, I think the month after, I've got the sequel coming out called Seven or Eight More Ways to End the World. <laughs> and it's a collection of uh, apocalyptic science fiction that, that is kind of different approaches to the topic. Outstanding. And guys, uh, one last question. What's next for Asymmetrical Press? What should we be looking for? 
as much as possible. We've got the, uh, the remainder of that six-part series where we're sharing our exact recipe for how we publish books, our, our process for putting out the best work possible. Uh, we've got more books coming out by the authors that we're working with in addition to our books, which I'm super excited about their books. Like the, we, we only take on writers, basically, where the, the type of writer where you see their work and say, man, I wish I had written that. Like it, it's that type of work, so very, very excited about that. Uh, and then I, I don't know, we got tours or something at some point. Yeah, we're we're trying to set up a big tour for next year, so stay tuned for that. You guys aren't happy unless you're on some sort of damn world tour, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it makes us happier. So. All right, one last question: uh, Where can people get in touch with all of you on all these different things? So that the Asymmetrical Press, Colin, where can they get up with you stuff? And then uh, Joshua, you and Ryan, walk us through where people can uh, get in touch with you. Yeah, we've got asymmetrical.co for Asymmetrical Press. Uh, we're also Asym Press, A-S-Y-M Press on Twitter. Uh, my stuff is at exilelifestyle.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Colin is my name. And you can find Ryan and me over at theminimalists.com, and we're on Twitter and all those other places too. You can find it over at the website. <laughs> Colin Wright and Joshua Fields Milburn. Gentlemen, as always, it was great to spend some time with you. Thanks for uh, for joining me. Uh, likewise. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. All right. Well, that wraps this episode. On behalf of my guests, Joshua Fields Milburn and Colin Wright, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon. <laughs>